Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Happy birthday to you again. How many of you think we should do it every week? Every week. Until he literally passes away from embarrassment. Leah is as red as a Belisha beacon. We're not going to uh, we're not going to mention how old you are, are we, Lee? He's forty-three, I think. <laughs> is that right? Are you, Lee? Are you forty-three? Are you? Okay. Okay, well, I'll just assume you're 44 then. <laughs> yeah, because I want to turn you to Isaiah 43, you see? It's method in my madness. Isaiah 43. And a little piece of scripture. I'm not going to preach really today. I'm going to do something quite, quite different. And uh, so I'm going to move a few bits because I'm going to sort of be a bit more near the screen Because I want to show you a lot of images today, and um, which I hope will be a blessing. And then we're going to pray. I really believe that this uh, meeting this morning will be a meeting quite like quite like any other. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be great, but it will be different. And uh, as we think about the, as we think about King's Church. And I wanted to take the opportunity, while there's no KCTV, one of the things about KCTV, it's 99% amazing, but the 1% that isn't is, you get people snooping in, don't you? So this is like us behind closed doors now. No one's going to know what I'm going to say today, right? No one's going to be watching it from, no one's going to be watching it from Norfolk, right? No one's going to be watching from Wigan. It's just us in here. And uh, I want to talk to you about the history of, of this church. And once again, just to say, if you are a visitor here, please forgive this indulgence today. This is quite unusual. There's normally a very lengthy biblical sermon at this point. But today, I'm going to do something a little bit different as we think about the past, the present, and the future. Everyone happy with that? Yes, Yes, of course. By the way, if I seem a little uh, frayed, it's because at 1.29 this morning, I had my first grandchild. Yeah, I know. feeling like I need a stick. <laughs> Yesterday I was fine. This morning I'm Yoda. <laughs> For those of you who will know this, I've been singing this song. Radio and phonograph. Charlie Chaplin made us laugh. Back when I was a boy. And then it goes, Granddad. Yeah. No, no, let's not say. 
Yeah, so, um, so after the service, I'm going to go see him for the first time. Yeah. And uh, then I'll just have to hope it wasn't a joke. <laughs> so uh, I might need to take up an offering just to pay for the car parking fees at Adderbrooks. <laughs> anyway. Have you, found I, have you found Isaiah 43 yet? Yeah. 43, a bit like Lee's age. Isaiah 43. And um, verse 16. Just going to read just, just this, and then we're going to move over to some slides. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Let me ask you, some of you Bible scholars here, what do you think he's talking about? I think he's talking about the exodus, don't you? I'll read it. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea. So that's the parting of the Red Sea, isn't it? Right? A path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses. Well, that's the chariots and horses of Egypt. The army and reinforcements together. And they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuff out, snuffed out, like a wick. And then this very odd line comes next. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert. He had formerly made a way in the sea. Yes? Yes? Now he's making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So Isaiah says this. He says, here's what I want you to do. You remember the God who moved mightily for you in the past? Well, forget that. (laughs) Because he's going to do a new thing. It will be a similar thing and a different thing. He made a way through the sea. Now he's going to make a way through the desert. It's the same footprints the same God, but the way ahead will will not be like it was. I, many years ago, let's, well, we're going to play the game of next slide, please, a bit like COVID. So those of you who miss the five o'clock briefings from from the medics, there'll be a little bit of this coming back. So uh, can we, can we have this, this PowerPoint, um, come up and let's hope it works because huh? otherwise I'm not going to be able to say too much frontiers in Pentecost I want to um, I hope you can see either this screen or one of the monitors that's near you that will just sort of help you 
I want to talk to you about where this church has come from. In a few years from now, this church will be 100 years old. And uh, it's wonderful to see uh, churches spring up uh, all over the place all the time. Sometimes churches spring up because God is at work. Other times they spring up because one pastor fell out with another pastor and went down the road and started a new one. Am I telling the truth? (laughs) Yes. But that's not what happened here. And this church is not here today and gone tomorrow. Just a few years from now, it will be 100 years old. And I hope you invite me back for the birthday celebration. I'll, I'll be here. Especially if we have a barbecue afterwards, right? So let's just have the next slide, please. Um, Something amazing happened at the beginning of the 20th century. 20th century, does anyone remember that? I had a funny experience once where I was teaching at Madison Hall and I looked at at my uh, students and I suddenly realized that none of them remembered the 20th century at all. <laughs> because it was like 2019. And I looked at it and thought, I could talk about the 20th To them, the 20th century was a bit like the 19th century. <laughs> to me, it was, you know, the other day. At the beginning of the 20th century, in this building here, the Apostolic Faith Mission, in Azusa Street, L.A., Uh, First of all, it started in a little house group uh, that also met in um, L.A. But uh, the Holy Spirit was so wonderfully poured out. And uh, I remember going to the house where the revival began. And uh, it began by a lady playing, playing a piano. And she began to play the piano even though she'd never, she, she couldn't play And she began to sing in other tongues, which had not happened before. And as she was singing in other tongues, the Holy Spirit just poured himself into that little uh, house group, just a handful of people. Anyway, I'll tell you a funny story. I went to that house, and they said, this is exactly the same piano uh, that that sister played. And we're all going, wow, you know, can we play it? No, no, you mustn't touch it. The guy with me, he can actually play the piano. No, no, you must, it's exactly the same piano. Now, some of you may know what I mean if I say triggers broom. Because then they said, of course, it's all been refurbed. So these aren't the original keys. And we've changed the insides. And the exterior is new. But other than that, <laughs> so, so this is a replica of the piano. Anyway, this wonderful outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And there'd been a great outpouring of the Spirit in 1905 in, in India. A former uh, failed PhD uh, project of mine from years ago. I did a bit of research into that, so I didn't pursue the PhD into that, but I I did do a lot of reading. Wonderful outpouring of the Spirit in India, in Mumbai, and and, um, 
But then in 1906, L.A., the, uh, um, a group of, uh, most of them were uh, black. Uh, and, of course, it caused a bit of um, controversy because of the Jim Crow laws at the time. Uh, but, but, but blacks and whites worshipping together in this hall here. And what happened was the Holy Spirit would be outpoured and people would be filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in other tongues. Now, that might seem, I mean, it's wonderful, but that might seem fairly standard, but it wasn't then. This was the beginning of a new Pentecostal move of the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, so the pastor is in the top left, and just underneath him there, that's a man called T.B. Barrett. He's, well, he's, he's technically English, but we'll, we'll call him Norwegian because he was a pastor from Norway. He was born in England. He was born in Cornwall. But, but Barrett, T.B. Barrett, bottom, bottom left, he found himself at that time in um, the United States. He was in New York, actually. And he had come from Norway to America for a reason that many people go to America in order to raise money. And he was going around the churches telling everyone about his plans, his missionary plans. And by and large, it was an absolute disaster. In fact, I'm led to believe he didn't raise enough money even to pay for his transport costs to the States. So it was an absolute, absolute flop. However... While he was in New York, he read um, pamphlets about what was going on in this building in Azusa Street in L.A. And he began to correspond with them. Now, if you know anything about America, you may know that New York and L.A. are not really <laughs> within a, a driving distance. I think, they're, they're, I think they're pretty much coast to coast, aren't they? So he never made it. He never made it to Azusa Street. He never received the prayers of William Seymour. That's the pastor, top left. He was blind in one eye, the son of a slave. And God used that man in the most powerful, powerful way. And inside that rickety, rackety old church building, which, by the way, today is gone, I went there not so long ago and there's still a sign but the actual building is now is now gone but inside that place the holy spirit was poured out people were filled with the glory of god all sorts of miracles happened and it was sort of new well, it was new barrett read about this in new york and while he was in his hotel room he himself was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He returned to Norway, and when he got back to Norway, he laid his hands upon those in his own church, and they also received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, with speaking in tongues, and unction, and power, and anointing for service. Okay, next slide, please. I knew I was going to have to say that eventually. And then we moved to 1907. So we've moved to England. The man in the picture is uh, Alexander Boddy. He's a vicar. Sunderland is not, not so far from here, north of here. 
It's a bit of a car journey, but uh, anyway, it's a bit nearer than Los Angeles. And um, the Reverend Body, there on the left, he traveled to Norway. He went to Barrett's church. He saw the evidence of the glory of God. He saw people being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, for those of you who know a little bit about church history, Reverend Body had been to the Welsh Revival. So he, he, was, a, he was a bit of a globetrotter, was old uh, Body. He, he went everywhere. Uh, there's pictures of him with like a missionary hat often because he's always traveling to foreign, foreign places. But when he went to uh, those meetings in Norway, he said he'd never seen anything like it. And he was, he'd been to the Welsh Revival. So he begged uh, Barrett, will you come to my church in England? This is the, uh, an old photograph of it, All Saints, Monk Wearmouth in Sunderland. Next slide, please. This is my own photo of it, taken in uh, 2007. You can still go there. Next one, please. And this is a parish hall just down the road from it, because in the Anglican system, when Barrett arrived, of course, he wasn't allowed to speak in the Church of England, because they have certain rules. But that didn't matter. They, so they went down to this parish hall, which I think is an Elam church now, or it certainly was uh, at the time I took this picture. And in this building, in September 1907, uh, Barrett arrived, I think it was the 1st of September, if memory serves, and he began to pray for British people, hungry British Christians. And they began to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. One of the ways to communicate this new move of the Spirit, you imagine it happening today, because it would be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc., well, it was a bit more tricky back in 19, <laughs> 1907 to do such things. Everything was, you know, printed, and there's the printing press, and there's newsletters going all over the place. And that's what happened. An excitement grew, a new move of the Holy Spirit. Now, as you can well imagine, lots of Christians thought, this sounds weird. We ain't going there. Their ministers told them that it, that it was satanic. This was a group, uh, this was an era of time, and of course people still think a bit like this in some places, where they were taught that the gifts of the Spirit had passed away. That what God did in the first century, he doesn't do now. And so there was huge suspicion, and by the way, I can't blame them. It must have seemed something to investigate rather than just embrace. But what happened is this. Alexander Body, he's the vicar. And he's, uh, where is he? He's right in the middle of this frame. A little, bit, a little bit pixelated, forgive me. But this Sunderland International Pentecostal Convention, this is 1913. And as a result he, uh, of the moving of the Holy Spirit in this Anglican church, body began to arrange conventions. They normally happened at sort of springtime, Easter, Pentecost, May sort of time. 
And here is a photograph from, now this is from 1913. And here's what's interesting. Many years ago, I researched the the history of this church. And so a lot of this is just me remembering the things I read about years and years ago. And I remember I went through, with a fine-tooth comb, two magazines that were available uh, to me. One is Confidence magazine, which was Alexander Body's uh, magazine. And then later, the Assemblies of God magazine began to be... uh, This came out sort of like the mid-20s, called Redemption Tidings. And all of these are still available to get hold of. So that that was good news for me as a researcher. But what I read was this, that someone in that picture there... In 1913, someone in that picture is from Cambridge because it, because it, it, it was uh, written up in the same magazine of the various folk that attended. And what began to happen is folks would come to this, this, kind, this kind of convention. So 1907, this is 1913, there's been six, six seven years go by. And what would happen is people would come to the convention receive the power of the Holy Spirit and then they would go back to their churches there could be trouble ahead some of them were given the right hand of fellowship others were given the left foot of fellowship and so lots of people received the power of the Holy Spirit There's a story I wasn't able to substantiate uh, uh, from uh, documents. But there's a long trotted out anecdote that an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred in Zion Baptist Church on the corner of Mill Road, uh, you know, next to Parker's Peace, just down the road from here, around about this time. And all sorts of folks began to receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And they were invited to leave as a result of this. That wouldn't be the case now. But that's, they'd be very happy with that now. But, but, but back in the early 20th century, a lot of suspicion about all that. Someone in this crowd is from Cambridge. Maybe they are a member of Zion Baptist Church. Next slide, please. So what began to happen was that Christians began to gather. And when I was looking through all these magazines, I found this. This uh, little snippet here. So, by the way, items of interest, just in case anyone sues me, I just want to make it clear that you cannot still buy Mr. Smith Wigglesworth's leaflet from 37 Crouch Hill, London. All right, so please don't, please don't send in for it. Certainly not for the price <laughs> that is here. So there were little adverts that appeared in these magazines. And here was where I struck gold in my research. Mr. C.F. Smith. I later discovered it's Cecil Frederick. And he was known as Fred. Fred Smith. Fred Smith of 12 South Hill Park Gardens, Hampstead, Northwest 3, you know, London, will be glad to know of any Pentecostal friends 
residing in the vicinity of Cambridge. So here is a youngish man thinking to him, he's received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and in fact, he was going to marry a Cambridge girl, Lily. She was called Liliana. She was. And, and as a result of that, he was going to move to Cambridge. Now, just another little detail that you might find interesting. South Hill Park Gardens, number 12, that's the address of a Bible college. I found that out later. So Fred Smith was a Bible college student. He was one of the first uh, generation of people to attend Bible training in the new Pentecostal movement. For those of you who know a bit about this, would have sat under the teaching of people like Donald G., Howard Carter, John Carter, whose, whose office I now sit in every day, literally. So Fred Smith writes this letter. Are there any Christians in Cambridge? Next slide, please. Uh, this is what he looked like. This is Fred Smith. You weren't expecting a dog collar, were you? But there he is. And this man became the first Pentecostal pioneer in the city of Cambridge. He arrived here looking for Pentecostal friends to establish the first Pentecostal church in Cambridge. What's, what's the next slide, please? I was going through these um, uh, uh, very old um, documents. Again, I know you can't see this too much, but I highlighted this. Cambridge, Mr. C.F. Smith, 1929. So, in 2029, the church will be 100 years old. That's how I know that. Could have been, could have been 28. So you can stagger all the birthday cake, if you like. <laughs> but certainly, by... by 1929. Don't somebody say, well, what exact date? Make one up. <laughs> In terms of the party. A hundred years old soon. That makes it, that, what does that make us? 93 years old now. And he began the church. Next slide, please. I want to think this might be the picture. Yeah, this was it. Now, let me tell you where this used to be. It's not there anymore. This is on uh, Newmarket Road, and uh, sort of, uh, if, if you were going from here, from the Grafton Centre end of Newmarket Road, sort of just before you might turn off to Tesco, it, it was there on the left. There, sort of opposite the, the, the retail park now, that I had a lovely Starbucks. I enjoyed a Starbucks there earlier, earlier today. Hebron Pentecostal Church. How many of you want to look inside? Would you like to have a look inside? Okay, let's have a look inside. There they are. What a motley crew. There they are. This was the inside of it. Fred Smith, by the way, is the guy with the tie just, just, just here. This is, uh, by the way, this is, a picture of their treasure kids. 
that they used to call Sunshine Corner. I'm not necessarily recommending that we bring everything from the past back. All right. But this is their this is their treasure kids. But the power of God moved mightily in these gatherings. They they pioneered and took all the flack for believing that Jesus still healed today. Or that people could receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. In, in demonstrable ways. All Christians, of course, have always believed that people receive the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about like in the book of Acts. Where people would lay hands upon one another. The Spirit of God would come. And they would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And many times... Speaking in tongues or prophesying. In meetings like this, people will give utterances in unknown tongues. Years ago when I was doing this research, I found a few of the people, watch this, they're no longer with us now. But I found a few of the people who were in this photograph. They were still living in Cambridge. And I went to interview them. And one of them told me this, and I think it's... I don't want to. I don't want to get it wrong, but I believe it's this lady here, Mrs. Leroy. She told me that her husband Cyril Leroy was was in the church one day, and he felt moved to give an utterance in other tongues, much to the utter shock of the Chinese man who was visiting, who understood his own language coming out of the mouth. Of Cyril Leroy. Hallelujah. It's a place of the glory of God. Next, next one, please. Here's a little uh, advert. What they would do is, um, I found this again. This was, this was found, by the way, in the Cambridge Evening News archives. This is not a Christian ad. This was right in the secular paper, this one. 1937 was the date. Easter time, and you can see they, they preached, I love this, they preached Jesus Christ, Saviour, Healer, Baptizer, and Coming King. Can you say amen? amen? That's the title of this, and it's, you know, special, you know, speakers, love this. Special singing by the young people. One can only imagine, right? Soloist, Mrs. L. Smith, that's uh, Liliana Smith. That's Fred Smith's uh, wife. And for years and years, uh, Fred Smith pioneered Pentecostal preaching, Pentecostal testimony, and Pentecostal power here in Cambridge. Today I want to honor him. I've no doubt he wasn't a saint, not in the, in the, in the Catholic sense of that term. He was a saint in God's eyes. He died while he was still the pastor in 1963. Next slide, please. And then another man arrived. He's there on the right-hand side. One of you may have had the privilege of meeting Ralph Inskip a few years ago when he was still with us. 
Raphin Skip arrived at Hebron. So this is still the place. This is still Newmarket Road. But Ralph had his eyes on the church getting bigger. He felt the time had come to expand. And someone told him about a building that was up for sale. Can we have that next picture? And with not a lot of money, <laughs> that small group of Christians gathered first to rent this building. Do you recognize it at all? Yeah. Do you want to have a look inside? Oh, actually, no, outside. Let's have a look outside. What's the next one? Here we go. This was the opening. It's a big banner hung across the front. And you, 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 I know you can't read it. It, it says... If you saw the original photograph, it says, Jesus is all you need. And then on the right-hand side, which is very blurred, it said, Come and hear Ralph Inskip preach the word of God and pray for the sick. There's a very interesting character in this picture. That's Ralph there in the right, isn't it, on the front. But the guy holding the gate, and for all of us who've been involved in this church, who know what it is to have to lock the gate, or now the chain, as I was doing yesterday. I want you to know that there's a long tradition of anointed gatekeepers here. <laughs> but his name's George. And I had the pleasure of meeting him when I did my research. He lived over in, like, the Arbury estate at the time, I think, if memory serves. He told me that he was part of Fred Smith's church. And uh, at the time he was talking to me, I was never quite sure if he was still walking with the Lord, actually. But he told me the story of how he was with a group of, I think, four, three or four men. And they were involved in a very uh, frightening car accident. And he was in a lorry and it fell. And of course, his head was crushed in the, in the crash. He was taken to Adderbrook, so I remember this. In fact, I had a recording. I was able to play it back recently, so I had more recent memories of the conversation. He told me that his head had been crushed, and he went to Adderbrook's, and the surgeon called the family, and he was unconscious. And the family were told that he has three hours in which to live. Come to the bed, because he just has three hours. Fred Smith, over at, over at Newmarket Road at the time, gathered the uh, Christians to pray. They all arrived and prayed in the house. And the power of God went to Adderbrooks and touched him. And he was completely healed of that problem in his head. And when he came out of his, of his accident, came out of the sleep he was in, he went to thank the surgeon. I can remember him telling me this. And the surgeon said to him, don't thank me at all. I didn't do anything for you. The surgeon told him, as far as I'm concerned, you've got three hours left to live. Well, Jesus did something else. A minister to him. 
Let's have a look inside. I think now this is Ralph inside the, the Tennyson Road Chapel. He's standing approximately now where we make barrister drinks <laughs> down there. So it's always been holy ground. That, that it's always been a place of spiritual refreshment. That's approximately where that is. And there's a lad in the corner there trying to sneak out a treasure kid, so nothing, nothing's changed. <laughs> or Sunshine Corner, whatever it is. Next one. Let's look, have a look inside. This, uh, there's baptism. Of course, if you've been baptized in this church, I can tell you this is exactly the same baptism tank as you've been in. It now sits, as you know, as some of you will know, in, to the side of the cafe area. And uh, so, so let's have a look at that. I think there's one of the uh, congregation, isn't there? There they are. That's the, so that's what it looked like inside. With pews and uh, chandeliers worthy of Phantom of the Opera, those all hanging, dangling over the, <laughs> dangling over the congregation um, every week. Well, Ralph stayed ministering here uh, I forget now, but something like 25, 30 years. And I want to point out that for at least uh, the vast majority of that time, he received no payment from the church. It was all uh, as a free gift of his, you know, loving sacrifice. I'm not saying that's how it should have been. That's just how it was at that, at that time. What's the next one? Yes, we come up a little bit more. Uh, for, for a short time, well, actually, no, it mustn't be too unfair, for about seven years, Glenn Balfour was here, the uh, uh, former uh, Madison Hall principal. Um, and uh, I got friendly with him. I was one of his favorite Greek uh, students. I just faked it until I made it, you know. Uh, but, um, and then when he uh, was asked to be much more involved with Madison, Glenn came in and he did the unmentionable, the unthinkable. He removed the pews from the building. And uh, so if you are glad that you're sitting on a nice blue seat today, you can thank Glenn for that. That's what he did. And then um, I arrived in uh, uh, 2000, yes. And uh, I said, I tell you what, guys, I'll come for six months. Well, I was here for 13 years. So it's quite a long six months, wasn't it? <laughs> I made sure they paid me for 13 years. Don't worry about that. I didn't. But, but I was here for 13 years. And in that time, there was a wonderful, again, just that, that, that re-emergence of Pentecostal preaching. I, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. So I believe exactly the same things that Fred Smith believed and Ralph Inskip and others. It's a wonderful story, by the way, again, I interviewed a lady, and, uh, and she said that she got into her car, uh, and she'd, she'd arrived at church struggling because she had a slip disc, and she was in the back of the, you know, church here, in the car park area, I mean, and uh, while she was there, Ralph Inskip heard that she wasn't well. He went, he put his hands upon her in the car park. The power of God touched that lady, and she was healed. And healing has been a feature of this church's history. So this is a, uh, a wonderful piece of... This was the Cambridge Evening News, as you can see. This was the front page. Colour. Like, 
we've arrived now, lads. We're in color, you know. And this was the time when there were so many healings here that all sorts of media attention came. And I handled it as best as I could. Some of them, some of the media attention I embraced. Other bits of it I um, declined. For example, I was invited to appear on a documentary on Channel 4. And I said, no thanks. I thought, I'm not sure how that's really going to go. So I could have been a TV star, you know, just for 20 minutes. I could have been, but alas, alas, no. And, uh, but we saw wonderful uh, outpourings of the Holy Spirit and uh, people set free from demons and many, many, many miracles that went on for a long, long time. To God be the glory. And then, of course, Phil came and... Um, Here's a wonderful thing about Phil because I know that Phil had to leave here in a hurry. I realized that. And I realized that one or two mistakes were certainly made. But Phil did an amazing work in this church. Yes, he did. He did an amazing work. He did. And um, after I left here and I went to the, I went to the Bible college to work full-time. I left Phil sort of in charge and moved him from the drums, you know, um, to the pulpit, really. It's the longest journey, but it's a big one. And uh, I only put the screen up because I thought Phil was such a bad drummer, he needed sort of a bulletproof uh, environment. But uh, people used to say to me, well, are you worried about the church? You know, you've like left it. And I said, no, I'm not worried at all. It's, It's going better than ever. And I know that Phil carried a real fire for street evangelism and, of course, the prophetic, which, is, which was so special. And then we began to, of course, develop. Let's have a few more pictures. We began to develop. Oh, look at that. Gorgeous man. Can you believe that man is a granddad? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> They still, in this church, they still use this picture, don't they, on all, the, on all the graphics of me. And I'm sure people show up and think, well, when's he coming on? Because <laughs> he's gone. Yeah. Anyway, a few more pictures. We began to develop. So these pictures were taken before the opening of this new bit. So we put a floor in. And I'm grateful to all the elders and trustees that helped us at that time. We were able to be gifted thousands of pounds from the, from the city to redevelop this building. Next one, I think there's just like two or three. So these, these were all taken before anyone even sat in here. <laughs> That's what these are. Next one, yeah. And maybe a final one is there. What's the, is there a final shot? Ah, yeah. So here's the thing. Why are we, why did I want to do this? Today, because of these verses, this is what the Lord says He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses. This is, this is the Lord reflecting, or this is the prophet Isaiah reflecting on the past. What I've just done for the last half an hour. Reflecting on the past. 
They lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Isaiah 43, 16, 17. Yet, verse 18, the next line is this, forget it. (laughs) Having told them to remember, he tells them to forget. So it's like, well, make up your mind, Isaiah. What do you want us to do? Do you want us to remember how the Lord opened the Red Sea? Or do you want us to forget about what happened there? And the answer is, in a sense, a bit of both. You see, because it was God who put his mighty spirit in that old mission hut in Azusa Street. It was God who touched T.B. Barrett in his, in his cheap hotel in New York. It was God who then had Barrett come to England and speak at those conventions. It was God, not Barrett, not T.B. Barrett, not Alexander Body. It was God who baptized people in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer. It was the baptizer in the Holy Spirit who baptized people in the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus who then moved upon Fred Smith to leave a Bible college and think, I must take this fire to to Cambridge. And he lived in Coldham's Lane, just as I was coming here today from my, I was in the travel lodge last night for some of the night, and uh, As I was coming here, I deliberately drove down Coldham's Lane so I could drive by Fred Smith's old house. Just around the corner from where the new C3 um, building is, heading up towards Newmarket Road. It was God who moved upon that man to come here. It was God who then raised up Ralph Inskip to pick up the baton. And I've got a baton. I brought one. It was God who gave Fred Smith the baton. It was God who caused Ralph Inskip to pick up the baton. It was God who put that baton in Glenn Balfour's hands. It was God who put that baton in my hand. And then Phil. There are so many wonderful churches in Cambridge. It's not a competition. We're not not competitors. We're partners. And as soon as we become competitors, let's shut. Because we've lost the plot. But that doesn't mean that this church is not important. And I want you to know that God has been putting a baton in people's hands in this church for almost a hundred years. And here's some wonderful news then. If God has been putting a baton in people's hands for almost a hundred years, he's going to continue to do so. Joe, will you just come and help me with this, just with this picture, just because I... I don't have hands. Can you just pick up that? This was a gift that I think we gave to Ralph Inskip when we, um, this is, 
This feels like an auction now. Ten francs. <laughs> Fifty francs. But this was a gift that we, that we gave to Ralph Inskip. And when we opened this upper room, I had Ralph come and he cut the ribbon. And uh, it was so funny. It took so much effort to get this up and you know, up on its feet. But one of the trickiest things was finding a ribbon. <laughs> that was easier <laughs> than many of the other technical things. Where do you get a ribbon? I'm walking around Cambridge. I need a ribbon. I need it now. Anyway, he cut the ribbon. And then I think, either for his birthday or on that occasion, we gave him this. And it contains a prophetic word that came to this church the day or the service, if you like, when this b- building opened in 1971 in, in its new location, moving from New Market Road to here. And it's this. I need to read it carefully. The glo- this is from Haggai 2.9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Joe, can you just pop that down so it's sort of sitting under the, sitting under the pulpit? And maybe so everyone can see it. Thank you, sweetheart. I, I believe it's still true. I believe the best days are still yet to come. I want to, can I have, uh, maybe I can have the keyboard player come back. Just, just the next slide is the, the image of the church, I think. Thank you, Emma. So I want to encourage you. You see, when I look back and think what God has done in the past, it gives me real confidence for the future. And when I think back to the prophetic word that Ralph Inskip would share with me every time I'd go around for a cup of tea or whatever it was and a rich tea biscuit. Whenever I'd go and see Ralph he would give me this this prophecy again. The glory. If you remember Ralph he spoke like this. The glory of the latter house. It's greater than the former. It's going to be greater in the future. He talked a bit like that, didn't he? I've quite impressed myself with that impression. He's not here with us now. He's with the Lord now. But if Ralph was stood here now and I gave him the mic, I know what he would say. He would pray for us. And he would pray that the glory of the ladder house would be greater than that of the former. I want to believe God that the best days for King's Church are ahead. Now that will take some doing. Because what has gone on in the past has been amazing. I saw things in this building that caused my eyes to come out of my sockets. 
because when we sing a song like we did an hour ago like Holy Spirit you are welcome here this church has always attracted a group of people who really wanted that and I thank God for the great preachers we've had too that have kept the church anchored in the word of God not every wind of doctrine not every weird and wacky thing this is a Bible teaching church and it always will be and today of course there are 30, 40, 50 great churches in Cambridge but maybe many more who also know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we no longer we no longer have the monopoly on that and of course we never did but the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former today I have this baton and I want us to pray because there's kind of two people that need to lay hold of this baton One is whoever is going to come and lead this church in the future. That person is not here to give it to now in this moment. So that awaits the future. And I believe in leadership. I believe that God sends leaders. I do. But I also believe in the priesthood of all believers. And I believe that all of us need to carry the ban. All of us need to say, there's a fire in this house and I'm going to keep it lit. Why? Because it's familiar to us? Because we like it? Because the anointing of the Spirit of God breaks the yoke. And there are untold thousands of people in this area who need to hear the Word of God and be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in an era, and I want to say this carefully, but in an era where churches are becoming more slick, more groovy, more controlled by a run sheet, more muck Jesus drive throughs people coming in and going out, quick burger of Jesus and gone. Cambridge still needs a place where people will wait on the Lord where people will pray for the sick, where the voice of the prophets will be heard, and where there will be a place where the glory of God can find a resting place. There are other great churches that, of course, do all that. It's not a competition. It's just that this church must continue to be that. So I want us to pray. Why don't we stand together?
Hallelujah. I want you to forgive the indulgence of today, especially if you're a guest. Let me apologize to you that you've come on such a day, but maybe God wanted you here. But what I wanted to do today was do what Isaiah did reflect on the past. In the Jewish religion, they do it all the time. They remember in the Psalms the mighty acts of God in the past. The writer of the Hebrews does it in a whole chapter in chapter 11, reminding his readers what God did in the past. God has done mighty things in the past. And the Holy Spirit has not closed up shop. The Holy Spirit is not going to go out of business. And he's still looking for a people who will carry the fire. Not everyone will be Fred Smith. Not everyone will be Ralph Inskip. Of course. But we can all be spirit filled. And we can all carry the baton. Hallelujah. And so I pray in the name of Jesus today. Lord, will you pour out your spirit again this morning? Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we all lift up our hands and pray? Come on, let's all join Sunshine Corner for a minute. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we pray with the same volume of sound with which we sing? Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.